Well, well, it's so good to see you today. I'm so glad that we are here together. And uh, if you're joining us online, welcome. I'm glad that we can be a part of the body of Christ together. Some of us online, some of us on the patio, but one body together. And you know, before I begin the message, I just want to say it's such a joy to have had Melanie Slay. Uh, you might have known her as Melanie Tierce if you go way back at Centerpoint Church, but Melanie and Caden uh, are such a gift. And if you're going, who were those people leading worship? Well, Melanie grew up in this church, and then she came back just for this weekend with her husband as guest worship leaders, and it's such a treat to have them. And if you want to uh, follow them, you can go on iTunes and look up Melanie Tierce. And she just released a new album, and it would probably bless her a lot if you would <laughs> go on iTunes and get it. Uh, and uh, that's, uh, if you want to find them, you can also go to peopleandsongs.com. They are nationally known songwriters, the two of them, writing songs with a movement called People and Songs. And so I just feel so blessed that we've had uh, Melanie and Kaden with us. Thank you guys for, I don't know where they went, but I'm glad they were here. All right, so this is uh, the, the sixth week of this series called uh, Throwback, and the scripture that this is about is the scripture that details the fruits of the Holy Spirit, and this series is about the need for us to go back to the basics of the fruit of the Holy Spirit uh, as a way of life, and the scripture says in Galatians 5, and 23, it says, the, the spirit fruit, the, the spirit the fruit that the Spirit produces in our lives is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I probably missed one, but you can, you can read it. It's, it's the scripture that we've been basing this series on. And we're trying to say, Lord, show us what it looks like to really live in the reality of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And since this is part six, the sixth one on the list is goodness. Everyone say goodness goodness. And so we're going to be uh, diving into the, the fruit of the spirit of goodness today. And when I hear the word goodness, what comes to mind for me is coffee. That's right. And I know I'm not the only one. I hear the word goodness. Somebody said hallelujah right here in the front. If you're online, you need to know that that happened. So the, 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 the word goodness, it brings to mind uh, you know, coffee for me. And my journey with the goodness of coffee uh, starts back in you know, somewhere around my senior year of high school. And it began with chock full of nuts because that's the kind of coffee that generally my mom kept in the house. And, uh, and chock full of nuts, I don't know why they called it that. It didn't have nuts in it that I'm aware of. But anyway, they, they, this coffee in the iconic yellow can and it was great because then when you were done with the coffee you could use it to collect your bacon grease and keep it under the sink anyone else anyone else all right we're not the only ones right and and that's great too because speaking of goodness I mean bacon is the second greatest form of goodness second only to coffee you know so it works right anyway chock full of nuts with the drip like Mr. Coffee on the countertop right so that was my first experience of goodness with coffee then it kind of grew from there I went away to college started buying my own and I went Folgers I had to go a step down but it was still goodness because it was coffee, right? And, and then uh, we got married and we you know, started you know, doing things a little differently. And I don't know, we, we started going shopping at Costco. I started buying fresh beans and, and those like big, huge, you know, two pound or whatever bags that last way too long, way longer than you should be keeping coffee once you know about it. But uh, still doing the drip machine. But then somebody gave us this, this beautiful thing that would grind the beans and, and then make the coffee automatically. That was a whole other level of coffee goodness. 
And uh, then we kind of stepped it up, started buying some Starbucks beans every once in a while. Come in, you could say goodness, right? It, it was getting there. It was getting there. And then somebody gave me an AeroPress, I don't know, four or five years ago. If you haven't tried it yet, it is the extreme form of coffee goodness. And, uh, and then somebody said, you got to start buying beans at the press. That became dangerous, financially dangerous, but... <laughs> It was goodness in a cup, I'm telling you, and it still is. Anyway, uh, I, I think in a way, we're all kind of drawn to goodness. You know, we're drawn to things that are good. We might have a conversation and say, hey, you know, it's like some guy asked me a couple weeks ago, hey, have you read any good books recently? And I had, and I shared about it gladly because there was goodness in what I had been reading. Uh, we might say, oh, man, I just saw this movie. It was so good. Let me tell you about it. And, and someone wants to hear it because they're drawn to the goodness that you're about to share about. Uh, you might say, like, oh, I want to I wanna tell you there's this new restaurant in Temecula. You've really got to try it out. And I might say, okay, well, I hope it'll be good. And you'll say, no, it will be good. And I say, well, how do you know it will be good? And they'll say, because it's literally called Be Good. You're going to enjoy it. <laughs> there is a new restaurant in Temecula called Be Good. Anyway, we're drawn to that which is good. We're drawn to goodness, a good book, a good movie, a, a, a good friend, a good conversation, a person of good character. I mean, we're drawn to goodness in whatever form. And I think it's because we're made in the image of our God and our God is thoroughly good. And the story of goodness starts in the very first page of the Bible. I mean, you can't get past the first page without finding goodness again and again. In fact, seven times, the first thing God decides to say about this universe that we live in is it is good. Seven times in chapter one of the book of Genesis, it is good, it is good, it is good. And it is in the very nature and character of God, this goodness. And we're invited to know who our God is as thoroughly good. And so the scriptures that, that speak to me are ones like in Psalm 34, 8, where it says, taste and see that the Lord is, is good. Let, why don't you say that after me? Taste and see that the Lord is good taste and see that the Lord is good. There's something about who he is that can't be fully known apart from an experience of his goodness. And the scripture in Psalm 105 says, the Lord is good and his love endures forever. Say it. The Lord is good and his love endures forever. Say it again. The Lord is good and his love endures forever. Psalm 27, 13 says this. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. <laughs> I want you to say that one, but we'll do it phrase by phrase. Ready? I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I think that you and I are made for an experience of God's goodness. It's a reflection of his nature, his character, the essence of who he is. And my hope and, and my desire in my life is, is to grow in more of an experience of that goodness. And, and I might not be there yet, but what I want to learn to do is to line up my life with the goodness of God. And that's the main idea of this message. It's a simple resolve, and, and maybe you can write it down if you're a note taker, or at least get it into your mind. I line up my life with the goodness of God. I line up my life with the goodness of God. Say it with me. I line up my life with the goodness of God. I want you to say that with me one more time. Say, I line up my life with the goodness of God. And you know what? That might be aspirational. I might not fully have arrived at doing that all the way, but I'm gonna keep moving in that direction. And, and if there's a gap between where I am and that being fully realized, then God help me to keep on moving in the direction where I'm lining up my life with the goodness of God. 
I think that there's people in our families that need to see a bit more of the goodness of God coming through us. There's people in the world in which we work that need to see us growing and living out and demonstrating and expressing more of the goodness of God. And we can, and I'm resolved to do it, to line up my life with the goodness of God. That is my intention. You know, Romans, Romans 15, verse 14, the Apostle Paul is writing to a group of believers in Rome, and he just says uh, this, this one thing at the end. He says, I'm fully convinced, my dear brothers and sisters, that you are full of goodness. I want to just say that first part of that verse again. I'm fully convinced, dear brothers and sisters, that you are full of goodness. I want to meet those people in Rome. You know, if, if the Holy Spirit is inspiring the Apostle Paul to say, I'm convinced, you're full, you're full of goodness. That's something that I would wish could be said of me too. I would, I would wish that if the Holy Spirit would decided to start inspiring somebody to write something about my, my life, that they might uh, you know, hear themselves thinking, huh, you know, he's full of goodness. That would be amazing. That's a good goal to live into, isn't it? To, to live in such a way that maybe that could be said. And to learn how to line up my life with the goodness of God more and more so that maybe one day, and maybe it'll take me till I'm 87, but I want to keep trying to learn to line up my life with the goodness of God so that maybe someday somebody might say, you know what? He is, she is, they are full of goodness. I believe it's possible, but I think we need to hear from Jesus about what it looks like and learn to follow the Spirit into what it will be like uh, to live it out. So... I want to make a disclaimer right now. We're going to be talking about goodness, and it is about how we live, choices we make, that kind of thing. But I just need to make sure I get something very clear first from the get-go, because we're, we're mixed company. Like, some of you have been believers for a long time, and you know kind of the deal, and, and you won't get your wires crossed at all. But maybe for some of us, this is new. And I just want to make sure I'm very clear about this. As I talk about learning to line our lives up with the goodness of God, that is not the gospel. Okay, the gospel is not... Well, you're a good person, but you need to try harder to be more of a good person, and maybe then God will love you. It, that's not the gospel, right? The gospel, the good news, is that, uh, that, that bad people can be forgiven, that messed up people can be lifted up out of that mess. The gospel is that dead people can be brought to life spiritually. The gospel is not dependent on your goodness. It's dependent on the goodness of Jesus on your behalf. I just want to make sure I'm very clear about that because I do want to call you up in terms of ways of living that would look more like the fruit of the Spirit called goodness, but let's make sure that we get these two things straight. The gospel, you being right with God, is not dependent on your goodness because it's dependent on Jesus. That's salvation. But there is another category, and that category would be called discipleship and maybe even sanctification. And what I'm talking about in this message about goodness is in that category. Salvation, that is your free gift from God, the gift of eternal life, simply through faith in Jesus's goodness. But once you receive that good news, the gospel, the good news of salvation, then you are invited to begin following Jesus to learn more and more in this thing called discipleship and also called sanctification, how to live in better ways for the sake of the people around you, for the sake of the world around you. And we need both. We need the free gift of eternal life through Jesus, but we also need that work of the spirit, that work of the soul of learning to live the better ways and goodness is part of it. 
And so I'm going to learn to line up my life with the goodness of God. And my prayer needs to be, God, if there's any way in which my life isn't lined up with your goodness, show it to me so I can do different. I line up my life with the goodness of God. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to want to make sure, too, that we have a, a right understanding of this word goodness. Because we could each come to our own conclusions about it, right? Oh, goodness, that's like happy, positive, uh, easy, peaceful feelings kind of thing. Well, m- maybe or maybe not. Here's the deal. In the scriptures, there are at least three different words in the Greek of the New Testament that all get translated to this one word in English, goodness. So that can kind of create a problem, right? Because they're not the same. So you've got this one word, uh, kalos, which is the word for goodness that, that does mean that, uh, that positive, warm, beneficial feeling that I have, that something is pleasing to me. That's one word. That's not the word in Galatians 5.22 called a fruit of the spirit of goodness. It's not that one. There's another word in the New Testament in Greek, and it's krestotes, and it's also translated goodness, but that one means uh, being friendly and kindly-like to other people that makes them feel good. And, and that's a, a good word, but that's not the one that's used in Galatians 5.22 as the fruit of the Spirit called goodness. It's important that you hear that. It's a very distinct word that's used here in Galatians 5.22, also used there in Romans 15.14 that I just read. And it's this word, agathosune. And I want you to just get your Greek on for a second and say, agathosune. Say it. Just try it. Agathosune. You can say it with some attitude. It feels better. It feels, I don't know, more fulfilling, satisfying somehow. Agathosune. Anyway, this word. This is the word that is the distinct word being translated as the fruit of the Spirit called goodness. And it's different from the other two. And it specifically means uh, upright and honorable, free from guile, particularly free from a desire to corrupt the people, fulfilling the duty or service required, upright of heart and life, full of virtue at every point. I mean, that's the word. And so when the scripture says that the fruit of the spirit is goodness, it's something really particular. And I want to make sure that we kind of have that in mind and that we allow ourselves to be moved by that, that it is really calling me up to a different way of life, a different kind of a, of a way of, of living, a different way of choosing, a different way of interacting And it is a high calling, and it's something that we need to get our minds around. I want you to open up your Bible, if you haven't yet, to Matthew chapter 7. So open up to Matthew chapter 7, and we want to dive into the words of Jesus for a moment today. And so Matthew chapter 7, and you're going to jump in at verse 15. But as you're turning there, (laughs) Matthew 7, I was was in the kitchen the other day talking to my wife, Anne, and I just, uh, I said, hey, uh, while I was making coffee in the AeroPress with the fresh beans, goodness, goodness, goodness. I I said, hey, babe, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when I say the word goodness? And she said, oh, it's easy. Badness. I was like, wait, what? What do you mean? She said, yeah, badness. I'm like, what are you talking about? She said, well, it just seems to me like goodness is something that is mostly recognized through its contrast with the lack of it. And I thought, man, I think she's on to something. And it made me think about these words of Jesus in Matthew 7, where Jesus talks a little bit about goodness, and he contrasts goodness with badness, in a sense. And so I want us to, to take, uh, take in the words of Jesus for just a moment. So Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, he says, 
beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from a thorn bush or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. And so Jesus is, is wanting to talk about the distinction between good and, and bad, and he's using this analogy of, of a tree and what kind of fruit it produces. And, and you see it there in verse 17, a good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. And this is Jesus just talking to everyday ordinary people who would have listened to him and it would have made immediate sense to him. This is not Jesus giving gardening tips to orchard farmers. This is Jesus just making an analogy, you know? And he's making an analogy that to people living in an ag agricultural society, it just would have made perfect sense and they would have completely gotten it without much thought at all. But the point is very clear, right? If you've got a fruit tree, you want it to have good fruit, but he's not really talking about trees. He's talking about people. And the point, in case we were going to get too hung up on the metaphor of trees and such, he clarifies it in verse 20 in a way that's unmistakable. And, and this is the clarity. He says, yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. And Jesus is wanting for you and I, I think, to embrace this simple notion that our actions matter. We're not so much known by our intentions as we are known by our actions. And I think Jesus is, yes, on one hand, calling us to recognize that, yep, there can even be, uh, you know, religious people. He's talking about false prophets that, that there's, the actions aren't correspondent, and it needs to be addressed. But really, as I'm reading this, I'm not so much thinking about somebody else. I'm thinking about myself. I'm thinking about, well, what about in my own life? What do my actions say about me? What do the actions that I am walking out give a demonstration of? Are the actions that I'm choosing, are they the kind of actions that would seem like something prompted by Holy Spirit? Or are they actions which seem like something maybe prompted by the flesh? And, and I think it's important that I allow the words of Jesus to penetrate a little bit and call me to task sometimes. I want to hear the words, you know, well done, good and faithful servant one day. But I think that means that I, I need to think about what I'm choosing to do here and now so that that can uh, be a part of the story. Goodness is ultimately a series of actions that we choose to live out. If you accept the definition that I shared with you that reflects what's in Galatians 5.22 as a fruit of the Spirit. It, it is a, an action that I think Jesus is calling each one of us to. So again, Jesus said, you can identify a tree by its fruit, and you can identify people by their actions. So I was thinking about this, the actions in my own life. If I want to line up my life with the goodness of God, which I do, I want to do that, what are the actions that I need to make sure I'm growing in? What are the actions that I need to decide to put on my radar? 
and I was thinking about it and praying about it, and I started uh, dreaming up a list for myself that first for me, and then that I would share with you also. And it's things like this. I want to I wanna set aside the selfishness. I want to temper the tone that I communicate with. I want to uh, ground out the gossip. I want to slay the spirit of slander in my own life and however I would express that. I want to be done with deception of any kind. And, and I want to hang on to holiness. And, and I was going to keep going with a mighty list of alliteration because that's my jam. That's what I do. But I was thinking about it and thinking, you know, I, I, I did. I came up with that list. I, I had a, a message based on all of that. But I feel a sense of conviction that I don't think that any of us really need another list of another five or ten or however many things uh, to do. I think what we need more than anything is to be who Jesus intended for us to be, people who follow the Holy Spirit and who live into the leading of the Holy Spirit, moment by moment, in real time. Because if I am living by the leading of the Spirit, the, the scriptures that, I, that we've been referring to in this series again and again, Galatians 5, you know, 19, 20, 21, where it says the fruit of the sinful nature is obvious, sexual immorality and lust and perversion and idolatry and witchcraft and dissensions and factions and bitterness, and on and on it goes, right? And I think most of us would agree, we would look at that list from Galatians 5, 19, 20, 21, and go, oh yeah, no, no, I, I, def I, don't, want, I don't want that stuff. But what I find in my own life is easily, I can drift into that stuff. I, I can just kind of drift into it, and when I drift into that stuff, what's happening is I'm not responding to the Holy Spirit's leading. I'm responding to the inclinations of my own flesh, and it's taken me down into something that doesn't do me or anyone else any good. And, and for that reason, my resolve is what I've said at the beginning of this message. I want to line up my life with the goodness of God. I want to learn to make choices that reflect that goodness in real time. And I had this moment uh, that happened, it, it was I think 20 years ago now, but it's one of, you know how in some time in your life you have these moments that seem to make an indelible impression, like it just writes itself on the back of your mind, like I can't remember anything else from that year of my life, but I remember this one moment for sure, and it was this, my, uh, my wife and I were not married at the time, we were uh, engaged, and we were uh, going over to visit her cousin. And her cousin is Benny Yu. Uh, if you've been a part of Centerpoint for a, a while, you would know Benny Yu is a missionary that we support in Mexico City. Uh, he's been there for 15 years with his wife Janice. But at this time, uh, he was in El Monte, and we just were uh, going over to visit them and hang out. And we were engaged. They had been married for a couple years already. And I remember I was sitting on the couch in their house, and you know Janice was in the kitchen doing a bunch of stuff, and I heard her just sort of yell out, Benny. You need to take out the trash. And he jumped up off the sofa and he went over into the kitchen. He was like whistling as he went and he pulled up the trash bag and he pulled up the recycling or the, all the stuff and he put all the extra trash even that wasn't even part of the request, extra trash, putting that stuff away. And I was just watching him do this and, and he took the trash out and then he came back into the house still whistling and she said as soon as he came back in, Benny, the water. And she's pointing to the, the water bottle thing. And, and he just took the water bottle off, carried it out, carried another water, water bottle back in and was smiling and kind of joking and laughing as he went. And I was sitting there on the sofa just watching this. And I was thinking to myself, 
Who in the world does she think she is barking out orders like that to him? And, and then the, and she said, Benny, we don't have any milk. You need to, he got it. And he smiles and he's like, get, he's like, John, come on, let's go. And I'm like, what? I was happy to be sitting on the sofa. He gets me up and, and, and it was this moment, like this whole entire moment permanently seared on my mind because I was four months away from getting married. And I, I, I felt God speaking to me. Like it was one of those moments, not audibly, but God was speaking to me so clearly saying, do you see that? You need to get ready to be like that. <laughs> and it was this living picture of goodness. Because it, it was a guy who was setting aside his selfishness and letting go of his ego and just serving and just doing things with a cheerful heart and for the benefit and blessing of someone else and not griping and complaining about it in the car to me when we went to get the milk. And it was just this picture that it has never left my mind. It's always one of those high water marks. And when I find myself in that moment of like, I don't want to change the water bottle. I think of Benny, and I think of the goodness of God that I saw in that picture, and, and I get up, right? And I guess I share that because in all of our relationships, there's probably scenarios like that where all of us are going to need to dig in deep and find something other than just what our flesh wants to offer up, which is our own selfishness, uh, our own, I don't like that. That doesn't make me happy. That's not what I want. That's not what I think should happen. All of those things. And to really line up our lives with the goodness of God, we're going to have to learn to choose to do differently. And it is the leading of the Spirit that is what you and I need more than anything else. Moment by moment, real time, to understand God right now, in this circumstance, what does it look like for me to follow the leading of your spirit? Here's a, a bit of homework for you. If you're married, I would challenge you to have a conversation with your spouse and ask each other this one question. And the question would be, how could I live out the goodness of God for you a little better? And, and if we could just ask one another that question and then Answer calmly and with just one thing. What? One thing. <laughs> at least one at a time, right? <laughs> one thing. Just to keep it, you know, happy. And then when we receive the answer, no defensiveness, just, okay, thank you. Okay, now let's go out to dinner. Like, just like, but just have that conversation and maybe have it frequently. How could I live out the goodness of God for you a little better? If we could just ask one another that in, in our relationships, maybe with a close friendship, you could also have that same conversation. Maybe with your parents or with your kids, that same conversation. Ask it because the fruit of the Spirit, the ultimate place where it needs to be demonstrated and lived out is in the relationships that God has placed in our lives. And there are people that are, are not receiving as much of the goodness of God as they should from me and from you. But we need to be able to open ourselves up to the conversation about it. And we need to have that aspirational disposition that says, I want this, God. I want to line up my life with the goodness of God. I'm not there yet. I'm willing to admit that. I have a long way to go, but I'm moving in that direction. I want to line up my life with the goodness of God. Help me. How could I live out 
the goodness of God for you a little better? Do you think that might be a question that you could find yourself asking somebody close to you? If you're watching online, everybody in person, everybody, every single person, 100% of the people said yes. That may or may not have been true. But we're going to do it. We're going to follow God into his goodness. What about, what about in these current events that we're living through right now? Do you think this word goodness matters in the current environment? You see, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your bad attitude and your position against everything. Ah, not so much, huh? Jesus said that they may see your, your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That is the vision he has in mind for us, that we would actually learn how to do that, to line up our lives with the goodness of God and live it out more and to be willing to acknowledge where there's a gap. And I think maybe in the current moment that we're living through, it would help the world a lot if those of us who are claiming to be followers of Jesus would figure out, or at least try to figure out how we can move in the direction of goodness rather than outrage and anger and uh, name calling. <laughs> I, I've said this before and I'll say it again. I do believe we should hold our positions and our convictions with strength and boldness, but strength and boldness can coexist with goodness. It might take a little bit more thoughtfulness and a, a little bit more uh, restraint at times, but it's worth it to be known as the people of God that we're called to be. So uh, this past week, we, uh, we, we did a day trip out to Joshua Tree National Park. In all of the years, I've just never been there, and our family's never been out there. And so we finally decided, you know what, we're going to do it. We're going to go. We went to Joshua Tree, and, uh, you know, I, I am uh, a, an ultimate Gen Xer. I mean, that's so, so that means that I grew up listening to the, one of the greatest bands the world has ever known. That would be U2. And so when I'm heading to Joshua Tree National Park, you, you know where this is going. Like, there's one thing in my mind, and it's the U2 album, the Joshua Tree. And I can feel the rhythms in the back of my spine without even playing the songs. And, and, and I'm in the car, and we're nearing the park. And so I, I was like, wait a minute, this is a moment. This is a fatherhood moment. And, I, and the kids are in the back. And I said, hey, I just, you know, since we're going to Joshua Tree, I just want to know, uh, do you guys know? Do you know? Do you know about you two? And this was the answer. Of course we know about YouTube. How could we not know about YouTube? It was the ultimate facepalm moment. I was like, this is what's wrong with the world right now. I grew up with YouTube, and you grew up with YouTube. This is so wrong on so many levels. And then I said, son, let me introduce you to the goodness of where the streets have no name. And I cranked it up. Woo! I want to run. Anyway, I'm not going to do that. It, it was a pretty epic experience. I have to say, driving into Joshua Tree National Park, looking at the Joshua Trees, hearing that soundtrack, it was, it was like Gen X heaven for just a minute. But the point is that goodness needs to be demonstrated. It needs to be chosen. It needs to be visible. It needs to be on display. It can't just be a thought or an intention. Again, the words of Jesus... Actions. The, the good tree is known by the good fruit, and the good fruit is about actions, Matthew 7, 20. And so I want to allow the Spirit of God to search my heart as pertains to my actions. And are they providing 
for people around me, a demonstration, an illustration, and evidence of God's goodness flowing through me. I'm praying for that. I'm hoping that that begins to happen more and more. Romans 12, 9 says this, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. It's worth holding on to. It's worth reaching to grab hold of. Cling to what is good. I know that for some of us right now, we're dealing with a situation in our married lives where, where we may or may not have put it into words yet, but we feel like we're at the end of the rope. We don't even know if this thing's going to make it. I wonder if maybe simply beginning a conversation around goodness might begin to shift the atmosphere. Because if we could hear each other describe, here's what you could do that would help me to see more of the goodness that you're talking about, the goodness of God. And, and if we could find some strength of the Holy Spirit to then move in that direction, it might change that other person's experience of life with you. What, what if we brought that same spirit into the workplace? And as we're working with one another, if we could ask each other this question, how could I live out more of the goodness of God for you? A little bit more. If we could take that in from each other, maybe it would shift the atmosphere in the places and the relationships with people that we work with. And I think it's what we're called to cling to, that goodness of God. Everybody say goodness. Goodness, goodness. God's goodness. You know, many of you, if you're, you know, like 25 or younger, you might not even relate to this, but back in my day, because I am starting to achieve dinosaur status apparently, <laughs> Uh, we used to have this call and response thing that we do. But now I hear about it, and it kind of sounds hokey. But back in the day, it was exhilarating. We'd say, God is good, and the people would say, all the time. We'd say, all the time, the people would say, God is good. And I want you to just all try it. Just join me in my, in, in, in my uh, memory for a second. God is good. All the time. All the time. Yeah, it doesn't it feel good? It just feels good, right? But it was a... It was a a cool thing to experience because something about that phrase we could all resonate with. Like it resonated with every one of us. We might not have agreed about everything else, but we could agree about that, that God really is good. And that even in moments when, when I'm not sure I can see it in its full measure, it's still true that he's good all the time. And I want you and I to be people who are lining up our lives with the goodness of God. That's what we're made for. I believe that's what God wants for us. John 10, verse 11. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. This is Jesus describing himself. And it's his word to you. If, if you are new to this whole experience, and, and maybe you've just logged on and you're just joining us online and you're wondering what this is all about, what it's all about is Jesus in the end. And, and it's Jesus who alone is able to say, I am the good shepherd. I can't say that. But he can and he does. He says, I am the good shepherd. And then he says this about himself. And this good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep and he's done it. And I want you to hear this, especially if this is new for you. Jesus has laid down his life for you. He, he, he laid his life down because there needed to be a sacrifice made. 
And so when you see somebody wearing a cross around their neck, it's not just a piece of jewelry. It's a reminder of this ultimate act of goodness and love that was carried out by Jesus so that bad people could be forgiven, so that dead people could be raised to new life, so that people who are messed up could be lifted up, so that every one of us could receive the gospel of salvation and the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus, the good shepherd, has laid his life down for you. If you're a believer, man, I hope that as you hear those words, you wouldn't find yourself saying, yeah, 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 I know, I know, I've heard it all before. But instead, you'd say, oh, he's so good. And maybe the, the cry is, may I never lose sight of how good you are that you did that for me, good shepherd Jesus. And, and maybe for somebody as a believer, just hearing those words, Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd, is what you needed to hear this week. Because you're wondering about these other shepherds. And Jesus is saying, listen, but I want you to remember who I am. I'm the good shepherd. And he is, thoroughly, through and through, good. He's your good shepherd. He lays his life down for you. For many of us who are believers, what that means is we've come to a point where, where we've understood, I can't ever be good enough to bridge the divide between where I am and the perfect holiness of God. Like Even if I really tried, I might get a little bit across the Grand Canyon, but they're still <laughs> never going to make it. And so we're believers because we finally said, Jesus, I believe in you. You laid your life down. And when you laid your life down, you bridged the divide completely. And, and so there's a way for every one of us to be right with God. And it's through the goodness of Jesus and laying his life down for us. So for every one of us who's a believer, this is a moment to once again just thank him for saving you. Thank him for being so good to lay his life down for you. And never, never lose touch with the beauty of the gospel. How awesome it is that he loves you that much and then uh, for someone else you know there's a moment for you and it's a moment that needs to happen a moment where you once and for all acknowledge I could never be good enough to make myself right with God I need the goodness of the good shepherd Jesus who lays his life down for me and in a moment in time you just Ask Jesus to forgive your sin and save your life, and you receive his gift of eternal life, his gift of salvation. And then he says, ah, come on, let's go. I want to show you an amazing way to live, and I'm going to show you ways that you can be different, and I'm going to change you from the inside out, but let's go. Come with me. And I think he wants to start that process with somebody right now. It's no mistake that you just joined into this service online or it's no mistake that you just came here in person. It's because God is wanting you to know his mercy and his love. So he's been beckoning you and drawing you. So here you are and you're kind of wondering, what is this all about? It's about Jesus and his goodness, his perfect goodness and his love for you and his life laid down for you. And it's about a moment that needs to happen where you, once and for all, say yes to him. So I'd like to just pray that God would do some uh, spiritual waking up for some of us. So can we pray together? God, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for the goodness of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit called goodness. And it is my hope, God, that I could learn to line up my life with the goodness of God more and more. I wanna do that, God. <laughs> if that's authentic for you, maybe you could just say that too. I want to do that too, God.
I want to line up my life with your goodness more and more. And God, I also pray for others of us, Lord, that you would do some spiritual awakening in this moment. And while we're praying together, if you are here and you would say everything you just talked about, Jesus and, and him laying down his life so that I could be saved, I need that. If that's you, if you would say, I need what you just talked about. I need Jesus. I need him to forgive me. I want to ask Jesus to forgive my sin and save my life. If that's truly where you are, then you would say, I need to do that. How do I do it? I would tell you what you do is once and for all, you say, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. I turn from my sin and I turn to you and ask for your gift of eternal life. I mean, that's where it all begins. It's a relationship and it begins right there. And, and if you're here today in person or if you've joined online and you're saying, I want that, right now, if you would say, I need to ask Jesus to forgive my sin and save my life. If you're here in person, I want you to raise your hand and keep it up. Raise it really high. And if you're in, in the online area, would you just type it into the comments? I want to ask Jesus to forgive my sin. So you raise your hand up really high. I want to make sure that I can connect with you and see you. Over here on my left, thank you, I see you. And it's a little dark in the back, but I see one of you. That you're raising your hand really high. Thank you. I appreciate it. And if I missed you, God doesn't miss a thing. Anyone else? Thank you, Lord. And in this moment, I want you to pray. Whether you're joining online or in person, just say, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. And maybe all together with one voice, we could all say that. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. And, and with your hand raised, just, just say, I turn from my sin, and Jesus, I turn to you. I believe that you gave your life in your death on the cross so that I could be forgiven. Would you forgive me and save me, Jesus? Jesus, I'm asking you to rescue me and make me new. Just say it to him. Jesus, would you make me new? Rescue me. Jesus, I give you my life. I'm yours. And I receive now this gift of salvation by faith in you. Thank you for saving me and loving me. In Jesus' name. And everybody, we all say together, amen. And, and I want you to pray with me a, a, just a bit more. Lord, I thank you that your spirit is present. And that because you're present, anything can happen. Anything can happen. You know, when we're gathered like this, you know, Jesus said, when two or three, just two or three are gathered in his name, he's there, present. And if Jesus is present, anything can happen. Water can be turned into wine. Demonized people can be immediately set free. People who are sick can be made well. Supernatural revelation can come that can change everything. It can happen. We're gathered. He's present with us. So Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're, you're here, Holy Spirit, Spirit of Jesus Christ, here. And so we just simply say yes to everything and anything that you would want to do in this moment. I'm asking, uh, Holy Spirit, that you would bring words of knowledge that would allow some of us to sense your love and move into breakthrough because of what you say. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking for words of knowledge in this moment. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. You know, right when I'm asking for the word of knowledge, what came into my mind is a picture of a supercar, something like a Lamborghini, neon green. <laughs> 
and like, and, and one of you like running and jumping into it with total delight. Like, like, and it was, it was like as though the Lord is saying, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a purity about that delight. There's a passion that, uh, that you're running after. And, okay, Lord, what is it about? If that's a word of knowledge, what is it about? I mean, when you ask for a word of knowledge, sometimes it's totally clear. Sometimes it's, ah, it's a little bit mysterious. What is it? <laughs> so what is it, Lord, about this supercar? I feel like it's, if that word resonates for you because like the green supercar Lamborghini is like, that's your thing, then, then this word is probably for you. And it's like as though the Lord is saying, I, I am your 700 horsepower. Like, I, I am. And, and I am going to take you through in full velocity and full speed and full acceleration. I'm going to do that for you. I can and I will. And, and maybe... Uh, for somebody that's so personal, you don't even want to say so. But for someone else, maybe you can type into the comments, that's exactly for me and here's why. Maybe there's a testimony in that. So just keep praying for a minute longer. Holy Spirit, what else is there? What else is there that you want to do among us while we're gathered and just yielded in your presence? Is there anything else, Holy Spirit? So... I saw a, an arm that was broken. It was actually like several of them, Bro arms that were broken, and, but there were ropes had been tied around. It was like the bones had to be reset, but there wasn't even time to go to some fancy hospital and do it right. All that could be done was the, uh, the ropes, but, but it's working. And that's the picture. That's the sense that I have with that simple uh, picture, word of knowledge picture, is that the brokenness is being mended. It, the, the brokenness is being reset. It's, it's happening even right now, even though uh, it, it couldn't make it to the, the, you know, the great hospital for the perfect cast, it's, it's working. This reset is working. He's mending what's broken. He's doing it. Holy Spirit, is there anything else? Specifically, is there any kind of healing that you want to bring to physical bodies in this moment? Yeah, so this word of knowledge, when I'm, when I'm asking God to do something in a moment like this, for me, the way this sometimes works is just a, a word of knowledge that looks like a picture of a human body. And, uh, and I look for what God is showing me. And I saw a silhouette of a body with the, the stomach area just flashing and pulsating in red. And it's a word of knowledge that, that God wants to bring healing, physical healing to somebody who, that's you. Like maybe it's the, uh, something very specific in your digestive system. And it's like it's you, you've been sick for days and it's not working. The digestive system isn't working right and you need God to heal you. And if that's you and you want to acknowledge it publicly so I can pray for you, I want you to just raise your hand or type it into the comments and say, that's me. I need God to touch that and bring his healing to my body. You raise your hand or you type it into the comments and you say, that's me. I need your touch, Lord. And it's, it's hard to see. I don't know if, that, if there's somebody that I can't see in the dark or in the back or online, but I want to pray, God, that your healing would come right now. And I believe that it already has come. I fully believe that we will receive a testimony of your healing touch over a digestive issue simply because we believed you. 
to be true to your name. Do you know in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says about Jesus that he went around doing good and healing all those who were under the power of the devil. That's a good place to start thinking about Jesus, what he does, who he is, and goodness. And part of his goodness shows up in his healing touch.